3: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Lee Speaks podcast on black and white and red all over. I'm your host Danny coming to you for episode number 111 and since it is the episode before games start going for real, we will be previewing the season that is about to commence. So if you want to listen to this episode and previous episodes, feel free to like and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify or Google Podcasts. And if you do listen on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, Feel free to leave us a nice rating and a review. So we've got a full house once again this week. As I said, we are previewing the season. So let me bring in the crew here of Sam Lopressi. Hello, Sam.
0: I at least have the Phillies to be happy about this weekend.
3: Hey, baseball. (laughs)
2: Man, that was enthusiastic.
0: (laughs) 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 Hold your horses, guys. I don't don't know if Danny has a whole lot of baseball to be happy about right now, either.
3: Many, many things to not be happy about, and we've got Chucks.
2: Hello, Chucks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hello. Uh, good evening. Uh, yeah. Hold your horses there with the enthusiasm. I mean, I hope uh, your enthusiasm <laughs> for the pending Juventus season doesn't match uh, match that level of uh, well excitement. But <laughs> you would be perfectly justified if it were indeed the case. So uh, well, yeah.
3: <laughs> we we are recording on the same day that Juventus uh, face planted in their final friendly of the summer so you know optimism isn't exactly flowing like it was say after we watched them in las vegas and speaking of las vegas my press box buddy sergio romero hello sergio
1: hey fellas happy happy to be here as always happy to be back uh yeah pretty pretty wild that the season's starting in in a week's time and yeah we we are just not optimistic at all once again it's a recurring trend it's not great we'll get to it into the season preview but yeah, Yay Juventus, I guess. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, Juventus, indeed. And as I mentioned, we have the uh, the Atlanta friendly that we're coming off of, and, and here is actually our podcast recap. <laughs> nothing. We got nothing to say about it. So, I hope Couch heard the crickets and uh, <laughs> and all that good stuff. But. As I said, we are going to preview the season, and obviously uh, going to get to a couple different topics here. but I, I think we'll we'll kind of take a spin off of the takeaways from the week and spin it to the season as a whole. So uh, since Sergio, you weren't here last week, a storyline or two that you are looking towards as Juventus gets going
1: here uh, in in about a week or so. Uh, you know, the, to me, the biggest you know takeaway as in in general, as it concerns to the new season is that once again, for what seems like the fourth year running now, we don't exactly know how Juventus is going to play in terms of, of tactics, in terms of formation, in terms of who is even going to be on that pitch when the season gets going. And we can talk a lot about, you know, Poor squad planning and, and, and signings that didn't work out and, and coaches. And we can talk about that all we want. But, you know, at the end of the day, this is like the fourth year in a row that we just don't know what system or what formation this team is going to be running. Because we don't know what depth they're going to have. We don't know what the team is going to be, you know, at the end of, of the transfer season. And that cannot possibly be good. For any team that is going into a season with ostensibly trying to win trophies and trying to win competitions and trying to be in the mix. Um it's worrying. It's worrying. I think all a lot of the optimism, if not all of the optimism that, that came out of that early, you know, Juve preseason game went away because one of the biggest, you know, transfers you made, a guy that was ostensibly going to help a lot with the team is gone. It is just who this team is going to be, once again, is something that we really can't say with any degree of certainty. And the fact that we're saying this right now with the season one week from getting going is pretty, pretty worrisome. And probably the biggest indictment in, in, in the Juventus project at large, that at this point, three coaches in, we still don't know how this team plays or what this team is good at. And that feels like a pretty big red flag coming into a season.
2: Edward, yeah, it's uh, I uh, share I share Sergio's uh, lack of optimism, really, or or your concern, actually. Uh, that's probably a better term to use. I think the biggest uh, expectation or takeaway or kind of preseason uh, prediction is just that, like, are we actually going to play, or are we? Is Allegri actually going to play players in their proper positions? Um, that's the biggest question, frankly. I mean, Allegri is an incredibly stubborn man. For better or for worse, sometimes it's, I think sometimes it's good to stick to your guns to an extent, but sometimes, you know, you just got to admit when you're either A, wrong, or B, if there's just a better way of doing things. And, you know, I just kind of going back, I know we wouldn't touch on the uh, on the friendly of today, but uh, going to the aletti game, the four, four nil loss. And I know there's the, you know, well done Morata. Well done, man. well done Chesney uh, by the way, what a great penalty stop. Just got to shout him out there. Chuck flexing that he watched. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. the First, uh, first friend uh, that I watched this season, Uh bit busy times last busy times, but yeah, just from the friendly. I mean, the one thing that I noted was just that, you know, again, our midfield was basically playing out of position. Uh, you had Locatelli again in that, basically Regista position, which we've all kind of said, like, hey, you know, maybe you shouldn't be playing there. Maybe you should be playing on the right side of central midfield, a little bit higher up, not necessarily Trequartista or something, but, you know, a little bit a uh, little bit higher up uh, the pitch to play Dennis uh, Zakaria in that central defensive midfield position. And then, well, whoever the third one is in this case was Fagioli, but, you know, playing someone else in that left central midfield position uh, of course, we have McKennie and Pogba injured, unfortunately. But, you know, the question is just, are we going to play players in their positions, in their proper positions this season? We're going to play Juan Cuadrado on the left again, like we, like Birlo tried actually once. And then uh, Legge like tried once as well against uh, Barcelona, I think it was, in uh, the uh, Barcelona friendly of uh, this preseason. And yeah, I mean, you know, I think a lot of our problems are solved just by playing players in their proper positions. So that's, yeah, one thing I'll be looking for, worried about, uh, not very optimistic about. And then another thing, well, I don't know if you said two takeaways or one, but anyway, I'm going to add a second because I can. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I hope Juve takes that type of authority during games this season, that you know that type of energy. It probably won't, but who knows. Um, <laughs> but, uh, Alexandra, that is the big just worry sign Coming into the season now, I mean, he's had a, yeah, just a very concerning preseason, you know, phase so far. And I think that's just the biggest, like, question mark in our defense right now. His form and his gradual decline, basically. Yeah, what's going to happen? Again, flexing here that I watched the game. But the came on and he was frankly better. <laughs> I mean, now that's was-
3: saying something.
2: I mean, yeah, it, he genuinely was better than, uh, and again, in my opinion, my somewhat qualified opinion, but I thought he was better than Alexandra. And, you know, yeah, how the mighty have fallen if, you know, Mattia de Cilio's outperforming you in left back. And again, he's just had, Alexandra's just had a poor, just, you know, three, four, or yeah, three, four games of uh, preseason so far. So, I mean, that's just going to be uh, a big concern. So, you know, let's hope we... Uh, somehow fix that issue. I don't know. Be- Bellagini maybe suddenly plays uh, Ballon d'Or season. I don't know. de Shilio maybe does. I-, I don't know. But that's a, yeah, just a really big problem kind of going into uh, the season.
3: I'm surprised Sergio hasn't come back with a a nice joke about Matilda Shilio being better than Alexandro yet.
1: No, uh, at this point I'm 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 not even shocked anymore. Alexander <laughs> He honestly he is as cooked as any player in this lineup. Like it really is. And and it kind of leads back to, to a little bit of what I was saying because you know I've seen, you know, we've we've seen reports now being like, well, they might try to sign, you know, Kostic and make him a wing back or make him a left back because Aleksandr is that cooked, or maybe they don't even play with fullbacks because they don't have any good fullbacks. Like that is the level of uncertainty that this team currently has going on into the season. And, you know, it, it, you look at the squad and it's like, it, it makes a lot of sense to me that we just don't know because there's so many weak points. And and like Chuck said, I think the, the by far the, the one that that is the most glaring is that left back spot because, you, you definitely, between every single guy that can play there, you do not have one player that you could confidently say is above average. And that feels like like a tough position to be for a, you know, supposedly top-tier team. All right, Samuel,
3: you've been lining the weight. Go for it.
0: I think in a slight corollary to, to Chucks, I think that one of the big storylines on this season is going to be just how much the the fire starts burning under Max Allegri's chair as this season goes on. If there is a poor start, if Juventus start falling out of things really early like they did last year, once you break for the World Cup, you're going to have a couple of coaches coming off of their international contracts, Didier Deschamps in particular, and you're, you're going to suddenly have some options that, you could make a mid-season switch if the situation calls for it, and if by January Juventus are are not taking a step forward in terms of performance and tactics, and are are not getting the results, that's got to be a question that has to a question that's got to be raised. And frankly, it's you know if if Juve are 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 in dire straits by the end of the January transfer window. I think a a move has to be made there. So it's, it's really going to be, you know, for me, a lot of this is going to be this, this first half of the season is going to be what, what has Max Allegri done to manage to keep himself together and is the heat going to start turning up on him? We can't have another year. Like we can't be doing what we did last year. Again, you know, the only saving grace that I could see, and this is another subplot, at least until the end of the, of the month for me, the saving grace he might have is that Juventus might simply just not be able to afford to fire him because of how huge his contract is. You know, I, uh, it has not escaped my notice that with the exception of Bremer, every single potential transfer negotiation Juventus has been reported as being in, up to and including the, the attempts to sign Philip Kostic for Meintracht Frankfurt right now, Juventus have been lowballing. And low balling significantly in some cases. You know, if this was a financially healthy team, if Allegri wanted Alvaro Morata to stay, that would have happened. If this was a financially healthy team for a, you know, a number that, like, a number like we're hearing for Kostic, that would have happened. If this was a financially healthy team for a number like what I'm hearing Tottenham is going to be giving over for Destiny Udoji, that would have happened. So it it's going to be interesting to see what, if anything, happens between now and the end of the transfer window when it comes to getting any reinforcements that Allegri might want, because it's looking like Juve aren't necessarily able to be making those moves right now.
3: Yeah, and I mean this this comes back to um, obviously you have a a big asset that you let go to Bayern Munich, but then you have to replace them, and a large part of that money you got in here suddenly went over to the other side of Turin. So you don't necessarily have as much money to splurge as maybe some people realize. And I mean obviously, you know, Twitter is a very small sample in terms of the entire Juventus fan landscape. But you know, you mentioned the Heat already, you know, being on Allegri. The Heat's already on Allegory from certain fans. I mean, obviously, you know, we've been hard on him for, (laughs) for, for certain reasons. But I think one of the biggest things for me this year going into the season really is, will he at least a little bit, obviously, you know, expecting Max Allegri to open things up and suddenly play a Jurgen Klopp kind of game isn't, isn't in the cards, but will he play at least start to play some sort of tactics that allows Dusan Vlaovic to not play like a number nine from the 1990s where it's just back to goal, back to goal, back to goal, and at least allow him to do some of the stuff he did when he was absolutely thriving in Florence. And the last thing Juventus needs is for Vlaovic to say go into October with only a few games under his belt and already be pissed off about how the season is going. And obviously we don't know really how long it'll take Federico Chiesa to ramp things up but you'd love to see you know whether it's Kostic, whether it's Chiesa whether it's Di Maria just firing crosses and creating attacks and scoring chances with an informed Vlaovic but (laughs) you know he didn't end the season all that great he hasn't been playing in the same kind of system that he did before the first half of last season and now it's kind of like okay you know, will Will Allegri allow Vlaovic to be Vlaovic rather than maybe a player that he's not necessarily suited to be?
1: And I, I think that's, that's kind of a little bit of what Sam was saying about what the leash is going to be with, with Allegri. Because I think last year, a lot of people caught him some slack. I, I would say myself included, in the sense that th- that wasn't really his team. He didn't really build it from the ground up. He kind of took the, the project and did the best with what he had, but for this year, I think, you know, you have to start showing something. I think at this point is the signings you brought in, you know, you definitely had to have at least some input in them. The players that you're going after, I mean, I think they're doing it because of what Allegri wants and what, you know, Allegri needs in the team. And if you're still not getting the results, if the steel, if the team's still not working out, if your big marquee signing, like you were saying, Danny, if, if Blachowicz still not performing the way a 70 million euro striker should be performing, I think at that point you you do look at the coach and be like, okay, this is now your mess. Like this is not you cleaning up after you know the Sarri and Pierre era with a team that you didn't particularly like or want, or players that you didn't want. This is now kind of your team. And and to me, this is really the season where you have to be looking at, at Allegri and really saying, okay, we brought you in here and gave you this massive contract and, you know, put the trust of, of rebuilding Juventus in you. I think this is a, the year where you have to start, you know, where you have to start seeing that. And if you don't, I still think it's unlikely uh, that they, I mean, it would have to be something catastrophic for them to let to, for Juventus to let him go so quickly, but You know, you you definitely have to start wondering. And I think that for a guy in Allegri's position with his contract, with the way he was brought back, that just the fact that we're wondering about it, I think it's it's bad enough already. And it kind of says where we are as a as a fan base or as a podcast or as a blog, at least that no one here has said like, Oh, I'm excited for the season. Like I'm looking forward to it. It's more, <laughs> we're kind of trash. We don't know how we'll play. Maybe Allegra gets fired. That's where the mood is starting the season, which again, seems like a red flag.
0: You know, when I was, you know, coming from the, from the theater background that I do, we always say bad dress rehearsal, good opening. So hopefully that's transitive and, uh, and transfers itself onto this situation. Cause Man, there's just so much that we were, you know, we were we were talking about the, the Vegas game. I remember, you know, the, after that episode, we were all glowing and now we've got, you know, the other. And, and, and that's the other. Uh, and, and it's I'm, I'm surprised that no one has mentioned this yet when it comes to looking at the th- at the, the, the season to come. How many games is Paul Pogba going to play? That's the other major question for me. This season is because he of, of all the things at the beginning of the week to hear when, you know, the, the decision about the knee came down, rehabbing it and winging it was had not been considered an option by any of the reports up to that point. And, and, and part of me is wondering what advice he's getting because a meniscus is cartilage. It doesn't rehab. It doesn't fix itself. I've even seen at least one report saying that most of the doctors were telling him to get one or one or the other surgery and that a physical therapist that he knows convinced him that he could that he could rehab it. And I'm just I mean, that leg is in my in my eyes, that leg is now a ticking time bomb between now and whenever he gets the surgery to to fix it after it pops on him again. And and he's out for even for as long as originally thought about those surgeries or even longer. It was just, in my opinion, a really dumb and short-sighted decision. But then again, that fits in perfectly with late-era Allegri Juventus right now. So I guess it's just... uh, I guess it's in line with how we go.
3: It's also a byproduct of the World Cup being what it is. And I mean, it's very much with a decision with the World Cup in mind because obviously Pogba is a huge part of France. He wants to defend the World Cup title. And... You look at it, whether it's age or his injury history, hey, who knows if this is legitimately the last World Cup that he can be a big part of France's squad. So, I mean, if we're sitting here and Pogba's coming off of the World Cup rather than we've got two and a half months of a season and then the World Cup, who knows? Maybe it's different, but it, yeah, I don't know. It, it just feels like it's World Cup just influencing his his decision-making.
0: I don't think that with this decision, he'll make it to the World Cup. I don't think that he'll make it there. I think that there's going to be some more problems. I think he's going to miss time. I don't think he's going to get there.
1: And that's the problem because, like like we said, he was the big signing. I mean, it was him and Angel Di Maria. Those were the two guys that that were going to change the outlook of, of Juventus, right? And And honestly, the one that we were maybe a little bit less optimistic on was Angel Di Maria. And and he has held, I think, his end of the bargain so far from what we've seen in preseason, which I I know is not uh, necessarily set in stone, but he has looked the part of what we thought we were getting. And Pogba is just such, you know, such a big bummer that we knew that that risk was there. No one walked blind into this. We knew that, that, you know, he could get hurt, he could get hurt. But for him to get hurt so quickly and after the first preseason game and to do this, which, yeah, I mean, nobody here is a doctor. We don't know how that, how it's going to go, but it definitely feels like I lean towards Sam's opinion in the sense that it feels like a short sighted decision. It feels like a, I want to play in the World Cup, so I'm going to, you know, power through it and, and, you know, grind through this, you know, five, six months and get to the World Cup. And then if I have to get surgery afterwards, I do that. You know, it it just it doesn't feel like he's going to play a full season for events like it feels like the longest of long shots that he's going to play the full season. And if he doesn't play the full season, you're, you know, 50 percent of what was thought to be this, you know, game changing player or game changing signings for your squad is gone. You're not going to have him. And we're going to be sitting here one year from now saying, well, you know, we still had to play Adrian Rabiot a whole bunch, and like this team still kind of sucks. And it just feels like like the the change didn't happen. Like when you look at this team, one transfer season down, you know, with maybe the Costage signing seems like it's going to happen. I'm not really all that sure it's a much better team. And we already know what this team is capable of. We saw it last year. I don't really know, and I don't think it's a much better team. And that that's probably the 15th time I've said so in in this season preview, that feels like a red flag to me that we can't really say this team is better. Like, I don't, I think you could make an argument. I think you can make a case. I don't think it's a sure thing that, that it's a better team. And that feels worrisome to me.
0: I also, I'm also worried just to, to backtrack to Pogba a little bit about the rest of his contract too. Cause I mean, I, I, I think I've brought this up before on the pod at least once is, you know, Four years ago, Pogba watched Samuel Umtiti basically make the same exact decision that he is making right now in order to be able to play for France in the World Cup. And yeah, they won, but Umtiti's career has been ruined since then. He is, hasn't been healthy since. And, you know, that's, you know, exhibit A. Is he, you know, that's, you know, he's is is he even going to be able to, is he even going to be able to do anything or is this going to be... Aaron Ramsey 2.0 on an even worse scale.
2: Who did score today, mind you. Great one. (laughs) So I mean, I had to to slip it in somewhere. (laughs) That
0: that could have been so not done.
2: (laughs) (laughs) He scored within seconds of coming off. off You've been watching a
3: lot of ball today, have you, Chucks?
2: Well, I actually have to give credit to someone in the comments. I forget who it was, but someone in the comments did uh, point that out. And I... uh, Fact checked it and it it checked out 100%. Well, you tri- know
3: who also scored a goal this weekend?
2: Uh, caw, a- caw, 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 caw. oh, Bernadeschi, really? <laughs> oh my, 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 my god, and <laughs> and Dan Kulusevski put on oh, a yeah, well, yeah, flipping no, masterclass,
3: no comment
0: about for that Spurs the other day. Yeah. And you know, that really does go to look to ask you, you know, here are a bunch of players getting out from under Max Allegri, and it looks like they're playing better. What does that tell you about Max Allegri?
1: To, to be fair, Kulusevsky played poorly under Purlo as well. I, I think... He
0: played poorly in the first half of the season, but in the second half of the season, he was starting to pick up.
1: I mean, he I think was Pirlo fine. I figured him out. I think he was fine.
0: He wasn't nearly as bad as he was under, under Allegri until he was, was sold to Tottenham, though.
1: Not nearly that bad. He wasn't as bad, but he was he was never good. I, I don't think we ever were like, Yes, this is like a super super uh superstar caliber player. I don't think he ever got there. And yeah, he's, he's doing playing that like it now. In like yeah, he like he's definitely doing it at Tottenham. and it's it's a bummer. I, I just I wouldn't put it all on under Allegri's feet, but it just but it, it is a testament of of how just so many guys just are not panning out for us
2: Listen to The Deal on Spotify. And going back to kind of the, the Pogba discussion and just, you know, injuries in general, I think that's another thing going into the season, at least the first, uh, let's say, month or month and a half or so in which we have key players out. And, you know, as you mentioned, uh, I, I I mean, the I
3: thought you were going to say how many how many more players are going to get hurt
2: oh wow well. <laughs> that reminds me of that song how many mics i think that's by the fugees <laughs> but uh no i'm not uh not uh going i'm saving the doom for doom and gloom for, you're saving
3: uh... that for next week okay no Thank i'm you.
2: saving that for uh moments that you will not be able to predict um, ah. i'll come come like a thief in the night as uh, Mos Def once rapped. i think I think either. I think that was it. Yeah. Yeah. That was my step. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, got a few song references in there. there you go. But with the, yeah, with the injuries, obviously with uh, key players, you know, Pogba being out with McKinney being out and Kiesa, obviously still kind of, you know, like carefully working back to fitness. I think the question is also like how much slack can we give, as you said, Sergio, like how much slack are we going to give slash going to be able to give Allegri? at least for, you know, the first five, six, seven weeks of the season, given that three players, three, I mean, just very key players uh, will be out for, I mean, at least, you know, again, first four, five, six games, maybe, um, or even more, maybe. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, how much, uh, yeah, how leaning are we going to be on Leggy then? I, I don't know. I uh, For me, it's hard to say. I mean, again, obviously, okay, injuries, but then it's like, Putting aside the injuries, just based on the preseason, um, and that's kind of my takeaway from the preseason as well. It just looks like the same, you know, what, but a different year. It just, it really, yeah. I mean, okay, we've we've got Di Maria, who I think indeed has looked very, uh, very impressive, and he he, he struck me as those, one of those players, or I guess in the context of of this Juve team, he really struck me as one of those players that's just clearly like been at higher levels of football. Like you're going to see like players that just have, I don't know, different football IQ or just clearly have played like at the up, like highest echelons of, you know, uh, football. And, and, you know, I, I'm sure from our professional lives, we've, you know, we've had, or maybe, maybe, or maybe not um, just dealt with I mean, I have anyway, like worked with colleagues who you just see like they've, you know, they're just, like intellectually just class above uh and you know it was a pleasure to work uh with those people but yeah Di Maria just in, in the context of this UVA team he really distract me as like yeah this guy's like I mean clearly two paces ahead of like ahead of most players here so uh I mean which is nice to have at least but yeah I mean uh again with those injuries I mean it still just looked like besides yeah okay the win against the Chivas C team uh it, it just looked like the same stuff again but just just a different year slightly different players but i i don't see any dramatic change and uh, it strikes me that it'll probably just be roughly the same struggles this season as last season
3: yeah and i'll I'll say this before we transition into something different in previous years whether it was uh under Antonio Conte or in Allegri's first year Juventus have had bad summers in terms of preseason but then you look at the squad and it's like okay those that team is so much better than what this Juventus team has. And as we've been saying the last, you know, half hour or so, you know, we're still very much looking at the squad and not really sure of what direction it will go. So, you know, you can look at a Conte team and say year two after winning the the first title. It's like, okay, well, you know, they've got a great midfield. They've, they need to get better in attack. Okay. Well, they got better in attack and then, you know, they had the the great defense, but this year it's kind of like, well, okay, uh, we've got, you know, the big midfield signing, he's hurt. Uh, the big, you know, the the best winger on the squad outside, not named Angel Di Maria, he's coming off a serious injury. And outside of Bremer, I don't know how many guys are really inspiring a whole lot of confidence on the back line. So there's, yeah, it, it's unfortunately a situation where there are a whole lot of question marks and not necessarily a whole lot of answers.
1: So pretty much, if you look at the roster without Paul Pogba, or assuming that Paul Pogba is gonna, you know, miss a, a significant chunk of the season, it's pretty much the same team of last year. Only that you replaced uh, Matizely with Bremer, who, being positive, is is you know a, a par for par change, and then you replace Federico Bernardeschi with Angel Di Maria, which is a, an upgrade. That's pretty much it. Like, it's pretty much, and you lost Paulo Dybala. So it's pretty much like, again, like you look at the roster and I agree hundred percent with Chucks. It's like, this is kind of the same. And we already know the ceiling of this team. And if I understand that the Paul Pogba, you know, signing was that big roll of the die. If, If that works, then we're talking about something wholly different, but it didn't work. And it just looks like it's, we're headed to another season of, of, just hoping something changes, hoping that Manuel Locatelli takes that next step, hoping that Federico Chiesa comes back, you know, fully fit, hoping, 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 just a lot of things trying to to break our way. And if they don't, it, it just feels like another top four at best uh, season upcoming, which is which is tough.
3: All right. Well, on that happy note, uh, who are some players that we are going to be focusing on this season?
2: Uh, I can take that first. Um, so, I, like I mentioned, I mean, I kind of gave my answer away already in my uh, first takeaway, but Alexandros, uh, for me, absolutely going to be under under the microscope this season. Just, yeah, I, for reasons we've discussed this week uh, and, yeah, this episode and last episode. Yeah, he's just, uh, he's a player, I mean, that we've known that has been on decline, which, again, okay, I mean, you know, nobody can be perfect forever. That's fine, whatever. But the fact that it feels like we're still somewhat relying on him in left back, unless the Shilio or Bellagini have standout seasons. So uh, yeah, Alexander absolutely is hugely under the microscope for me.
3: I just want just jump in real quick here. Somebody, I can't remember the Twitter account post that posted it, but it was a highlight video of Alexander. I think it was from the sixteen seventeen season. So his, I believe his second season at Juventus, my God, when he was at the top of his game, Holy spokes. And and it just it just shows you how far he's fallen. And that's he's only 31. You know, you 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 look at other 31-year-olds. I mean, you know, look at Giorgio Chiellini when he was 31. He was at the height of his powers. And you look at Alexandro now at 31, about to be 32 in a few months, and it's just like, geez, he's uh, he's gone off a cliff.
0: Yeah, and and he had already been. Well, and he had already been falling down at the last couple of years. As yeah, I mean, to, this, this isn't a sudden. Like, thing. Now he's it, at the bottom.
3: Yeah, this isn't a sudden thing. It's very much the last two, three years at least, where it's like, oh boy, you know, we're start we're starting to see cracks and cracks in the armor.
0: Yeah, it's it's like the bit in in Moana where Gwen Johnson's <laughs> like, "I'm still falling."
1: <laughs> it it really is such a bummer because it, it's not even an exaggeration to say that he was right there as a top you know, one or top two left back in that Cardiff season. Like when, when they made those breakdowns of, of the squad against Real Madrid, it was like left back. It's pretty like, who's the best fullback, Marcelo or Alexandro. And there was a legit discussion. Like it was a, a legitimate argument. And now, I mean, now it's just sad. Now it's just, it's just a bummer. I mean, Matias, is out playing him. Jesus. And that's all <laughs> you need to know. All right. Who, who you got, Sergio? Uh, I have honestly, I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to go chalky here, but, uh, I already talked a little bit about him before, but, uh, Manuel Locatelli, I think he, he's a guy that for Juventus to make any sort of noise this year, he's going to have to take that, that definitive step forward into not being just a, a pretty good player or a consistently above average player, but to really become that top tier midfielder that we so desperately need. I think he showed enough flashes last year where it gives you hope that, that he's going to be that in what we saw from the preseason. He's one of the guys that really kind of jumped out to me the most and that he looked so much more comfortable in general, just, you know, playing both centrally and as kind of like in a more advanced role. He just looked a lot more comfortable. I think there's going to be growth there. I think there needs to be growth there when you look at the squad and you look at the players that you're going to build the next great juve team around that is that's got to be one of the one of the guys that you look at and considering that you know with the the Paul Pogba thing going on they're going to have to rely on him even more now and especially with mid, with the midfielders that are left, a lot of youngsters, a lot of guys that don't have a ton of experience in, in 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 the Juve shirt, he's going to have to very quickly kind of take the reins there and become not only a leader but kind of like the reference point for that midfield pretty quick. So if if Juventus has any hope of kind of improving on last season, a lot of it is going to be on on the back of Manolo Catelli. So. You know, for starters, I think that'd be the guy I'm I'm looking forward the most to see if, if that growth is real and if that growth uh, is sustainable for a whole season. Because we saw last year flashes, we saw him play really well at the beginning of the year, but then burnout, uh, injuries, a lot of things took their toll, and I thought he was significantly less effective moving forward. But what I'm looking forward, what I'm looking now for out of him is that that next step and just that next step being you know, something continues, something that he can, you know, maintain throughout a whole year. And I think that's what, what he's still missing to really kind of go into that top tier level in terms of, of midfielders. Samuel? It, 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 I, I'm, I, it's been a tough decision
0: between a couple guys, but uh, for me, it's got to be Federico Gatti. This is a guy getting tossed into the deep end real, real fast with Gatti and he's gonna have to you know he's gonna have to step up fast because this is he is in a situation where he's gonna play a lot of minutes because Leonardo Banucci is gonna have to have his games managed. He's gonna have to have his load managed because he's he's old. Let's 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 put it bluntly he's old and and frankly he's also intermittently effective. (laughs) Uh, At this point in his career, sometimes, so you know there is no guarantee that Bonucci is going to be, you know, playing three thousand minutes in a year, and he's the next guy up because it's not going to be Rugani if Rugani, I mean, if Rugani even stays, uh, unless you end up with with somebody like Nikola Milankovic coming at the end of the of the transfer window, you are the next guy. You're the next guy coming in. And you're going to have to take that jump from playing in in Serie B to playing in you know playing for a team that expects to be winning very very quickly. And I I believe he can do it, but it's got to happen. And it'll have you know the eyes will be on him from the very beginning. All right, I will I will piggyback
3: off myself and. Again, mentioned Vlaovic because he is very much now the face of this team, and you know people are going to be expecting goals. The management team is going to be expecting goals, and hopefully, with the addition of Di Maria, with hopefully Kostic coming in and Chiesa's ongoing recovery, uh, you know they've they've got some dudes who can set some things up for him if given the right service. So, uh, hopefully, Vlaovic like I said earlier, looks more like the guy who was wearing purple for the first half of last season, rather than the guy who was very much visibly frustrated those last couple months of last season. So, uh, gentlemen, do we want to do our bold predictions now or save them until after the Twitter questions?
2: Uh, it's something nice to end on. So let's uh, let's, let's save it for something to yeah, end on.
3: Let's save save the bold predictions until the end. All righty. Yes. All right. I will get this Twitter question out of the way because it involves a lot of difficult reading for me from at Juventino underscore BNA. How much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck was too busy being angry because there's no reason to have a solid transfer window if Allegri is still with the coach. <laughs> How did did I do reading that, gentlemen? Do I get a good grade? That was pretty
2: good. Maybe maybe we should have saved the Twitter questions for last, actually, because to end on that note. (laughs) To end on a note like that would have been a little more, uh, would have provided more, I don't know, comedic value.
3: (laughs) That's why we have you, Chucks, for the added comedic value.
2: Yes. yes. Yeah, I try. I try with some song references, but I can't top that. That's right. I I,
0: I mentioned this a, a little bit earlier but I, I I do think that the reason that this that this transfer window has been so disappointing is that i just I just don't think that the teams got it. I think that there were I think that there were expectations that there were going to be more moves than what we've been seeing. I think there was an expectation that there was going to be some kind of a budget for this window. And I don't know how much that really was a thing at this point, because, like I said, every target that they've that they've been reported on from Morata to Kostic to, to you know some some other ancillary type pieces all of them have just been low balls low ball offers except Bremer because they needed Bremer quickly that that it's just a it's an odd odd thing and it it, it almost makes you wonder if they blew what they would have been spending this summer in the winter on on Vlaovic. And now there really isn't much, much there to go with,
1: to go on. It, it, this feels, you know, you know, going back to the question outside of the riddle, uh, or <laughs> you know, it was, what's the point of bringing in transfers because Allegri is the coach. I think this, these are Allegri transfers. Like I think at this point, if you, you know, especially because we had such a typical January transfer window. So if you just want to kind of bundle everything up together. You know, we did get, um, we got Blahovic, we got Sakaria. we were getting Kostic, apparently. Um, we got Pogba, we got Di Maria, we got Bremer. Let's say Bremer, it's a, it's a, you know, it happened only because the lake left, but all of those signings, I think at this point, you have to assume where Allegri signings. I think at this point, those are five, six guys that you wanted to have and you asked for, or if you didn't ask for, at least you you said, okay, I can work with these guys. This feels like a very much Allegri-led project. I think this is his team now. I think this is a team that that, that he chose, that he feels that he can do good with. And, you know, if they don't, I think, like we were saying earlier, I think at that point, you do start asking questions about whether Allegri is the right feat moving forward. Because, yeah, this, this, this summer transfer window was weird in the sense that, like Sam said, it was a lot of lowball offers, uh, free transfers and whatnot. But I think just because of how typical the January transfer window was, I'm sort of chalking them up as, as, as you know, money that could have been spent Right now, and then the summer transfer window that we just kind of spent in January. So I think you know, especially Blahović, Sakaria. Those those were two that if you put them in line with the the transfers that we made in the summer, I think Blahović obviously the most expensive one, but even Sakaria, I think, was you know, it was a significant. It wasn't a super significant amount, but it was a, a transfer outlay that maybe could have been used right now, but you already used it in January. So. That that would be kind of, you know, in my mind, those are Allegri transfers and and those are guys that were brought in for Allegri specifically. Let's see if if they work out or not.
3: All righty. Next question here from at some guy underscore hearts. This is more of a statement that he wants us to agree or disagree with. He says eighty points is the number for me. I'm not saying we need to win the league, but for Mister Allegri to keep his job, we need to be there or thereabouts at the end of the season. He's a very competent tactician, but his ability to develop to develop players is what is different from the first spell to now. Agree or disagree?
2: Eighty. so he's saying really just like on the points on the on the question on the amount of points. Yeah. Uh, yeah 80 points i mean uh, i'm trying to look back at what how many points last season so
1: last season i'm i'm looking at it right now because i was wondering the same thing last season milan was the the champion with 86 inter oh, okay. 84 napoli third place 79 us fourth place 70 so it's a it's a 10 point increase and it gets you yeah it puts you in competition it doesn't it, it it wouldn't make you champs by any stretch of the imagination, but it would it would put you there. Like it would put you competing up until like the latest, like the latter p- p- parts of the season. I guess that that's what he's asking, right? Yes. The sorry season with eighty three. So,
0: in theory, that isn't a huge ask. T- say you're looking for at ten points up. On last season. Well, say you don't lose against Empoli. You don't draw against Venezia. Yeah. I mean, Wojciech Shesny makes a couple of saves.
3: He didn't at the beginning of the season. At the
0: beginning of the season. Yeah. You don't, you don't throw away a two goal lead against Udinese. Ronaldo's last stand. Or last jump. (laughs) Perhaps you don't end up having what goes on with, you know, what went on with Wojciech Napoli. Like, The points, those points aren't necessarily hard to find. The question is, can Juventus perform to get them? Uh, And it also depends a lot on whether or not Juve can play against the teams that they are going to be in direct competition with. Uh, Because, you know, last year Juve played Milan, Napoli and Inter. They didn't beat any of them, right? How many times total? Six times, I think. They didn't win. They didn't win any of those games. They played each t- they played each of those two teams three times in the league. they played inter in the Super Copa and they played inter in the Copa final and they had three draws, yeah, three draws, and the rest were losses good times yeah <laughs> 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 And yeah. if you throw a team like Atalanta in there who were competing with us until they started to fade, you're also you know you haven't beaten Atalanta at the J Stadium in something like four years and Roma, don't look now. Roma look pretty damn good. You know, Roma has probably won the
3: summer transfer window this year. Yeah, if we're talking about a club that has about the opposite of preseason vibes as Juventus right now, it's definitely Roma.
0: Yeah, you know, with with Giorgino Vinaldum rising up out of the swimming pool.
1: That's right. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I was was looking at the, the previous seasons. Yeah, 80 points in pretty much every year gets you top two, top three. There's been a couple seasons uh, where, like 17, 18, for example, where like Napoli ended second place with 91 points, which that's a bummer for them. Um, we we won the league that year with 95. So yeah, pretty much 80 <laughs> points is you're gonna be competing up until the last couple match days, which I guess like like Sam was saying, it's pretty much turning. Last year we had 20 wins, 10 draws, eight losses. So it's turning like three of those draws into wins and maybe one of those losses into a draw and, and you're there. Like that doesn't feel impossible, but it, it it's, you know, there's 80 points from 80 points, right? Like if you're getting there because you're winning meaningless games in the back end of, of the season and you were not really competing at any points, I don't know how much that, how much goodwill that gets you, but Theoretically, what whether what the question is uh, is pretty much if we compete, maybe not win, but if we compete, if we compete, if we're in the mix, would we be okay with that? I don't. Maybe that's not really an answer, but I don't know. I guess it depends on (laughs) how how you compete, right? Like how you get there. Yeah, that's that's
0: that's the thing for me. Like like, are you winning these games competently? Are they scraping it by the skins of their teeth? Does it look kind of like, you know, does it look the way that it did in the last season of, of Allegri's last tenure where it just looked like he was out of ideas and was getting bailed out by, you know, the individual moments of brilliance from guys like Douglas Costa or, or Cristiano Ronaldo or or DiBala? You know, if, if, if it's like that, then it doesn't really matter how many points you get. You have to start thinking about it.
3: All right. Next question here from at JP Imbronio seventy nine. Kind of going off of what we talked about a little bit earlier. When do we start to cast blame on management's financial tactics in the mercato? We are definitely known as a cheap club who look to who look for stopgap mediocre players.
2: I don't even think it's bad being a cheap club per se. I mean, if you're picking up like you know young up and coming, like I mean, we used to do this with Mota. I mean, we used to you know get that was it, uh, a-
0: Beppe had a, they had a plan though.
2: Yeah, 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 of course. But, and that's what I mean. That's, you know, that's the point I'm, I'm leading to. Like and Beppe and,
0: and got, and, and the, the guys that Beppe signed, you know, in large part worked how many of the players that we've signed since Marotta left were un have been unqualified successes. Aaron Ramsey, Artur. Yeah, Ramsey, Rabiot. Um, <laughs> you know, you. I mean, you can say delicts, you know, the way that Demiral and Romero were handled were really stupid. We're both really stupid. Um, the fact that this management, it, and it, it seems not to be, not just to be Paratici, this management seems to think that you can get by as a football team without fullbacks. There's there, there's something weird going on. I, I do think that the financial constraints that have been on the team since the pandemic do have something to do with it. You know, I, I think that in the past, Uve could go out and and wouldn't necessarily be the, the team that's always trying to kick the can down the road the way they have with guys like Chiesa and Locatelli, you know, or or, you know, they weren't just trying desperately to get another team to, to be okay with getting less money for a player. That's, I think, the, mo- the disappointing part of this Mercato was, you know, when, when we came in and, and pulled a Luciano Moji move for Bremer, especially out from under Inter's nose, everybody was thinking, all right, this is the Juve transfer. This is, the, you know, the Moji-type transfers that's back. And I don't think we and that's definitely not the case. And I think the main reason for that is I just don't think we have the financial oomph right now.
2: I guess indeed, obviously, the financial problems. But, you know, then again, we have I mean, we've still spent significantly. Uh, of course, Vlaovic was, uh, you know, the big uh, financial splurge. Yeah,
0: we're, and... we're all still trying to figure out how they got the money for that. Oh,
2: problem. yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's, this. The, that's the problem. like. <laughs> people are too busy figuring out how Barcelona has money so we're we're just flying under the radar (laughs) well at least Juventus can register their players yeah that's very true yeah that's uh yeah wow what a story there but um yeah so you know just on the just I mean I guess slight note on that financial um issue and then uh, also I mean back to the original question of just cheapness again it's like I don't think necessarily the problem is like being cheap or not it's just being strict, <laughs> it sounds ridiculous, but <laughs> being strategically cheap. It, I mean, Weston McKenney was, I mean, he has been obviously had bad luck with injuries, but he's been overall just a very good player for, for Juve. And I think, I hope he stays for a long time. And I think he can really become a key player for Juve in midfield. Players like him, I mean, he, you know, again, it's not, I don't think a problem is necessarily cheap. It's just, it's it's it becomes a problem when indeed, as the person suggested with the question, when we're getting cheap players who are I don't know 34, 35, Although Dimaria happened to that uh, seems to you know be a be a good one there. But when we're getting cheap players who are in their mid mid to late thirties for a year or two years with no real like idea, we can get cheap players. But you know we indeed, like I said, we used to focus on those kind of young up and coming players who were under the radar for relatively cheap, like honestly, like Milan are doing now. I mean, or that has that Maldini has, you know, done to help them uh to get them back to the top, just getting relatively unknown players for very cheap. And then they just happen to be, you know, diamonds in the rough and now they're just a great unit. So um yeah, again, I mean uh the problem isn't necessarily cheap just the kind of plan like planless, you know cheapness i guess State i think this. there's
0: a i think there's a difference though between being cheap and gaining bargains like and finding a market inefficiency for a player like mckennie that was a bargain that was finding a, a a bit of a market inefficiency finding a guy that not a lot of other teams on the level that juventus want to be in were really looking at yet and and kind of cutting in on that early uh you know or uh you know, when Beppe Murata signed Dr. Ru Vidal, same deal. What being cheap is, and that, and this is why I think you can say Juventus have been being cheap this year, is when a guy when a team says, "All right, this guy's price tag is 20 million, and Juve's first and Juve starts offering them 13, and just hoping and praying that they get away with it, That's cheap. And that, I think, comes from from having from having the problems and not really having the money to, to go with it.
1: And, and I think it's it's both that, because I, I think when you look back at that, you know, Beppe Meraltos, for example, like his best signings, there were always kind of guys that, that were undervalued, right? And it's because they had to work within a budget and they knew they couldn't go out and, and then throwing the big bucks. I think right now, if, if, like Sam was saying, if an offer for a guy, if... Let's say uh, an Alberto Morata, they won't sell him to you for under, you know, 20, 25 million. You want to keep him. You see that that's not you You make a, you know, a quote unquote cheap offer and that's not going to work. I think what, what Juve has been lacking is in finding that other alternative and saying, OK, we, we're not going to be able, able, able to afford this 25 million euro player but we have a good enough uh, scouting network. We have a good enough idea of who we want to be as a team that we can turn around and go and sign a guy uh, for 9 million or whatever our budget is and get that guy, even if he's, you know, not as heralded, not as, you know, known even if he might be more of a of a of a shot, in, not a shot in the dark, but not as a known quantity as the 25 million euro guy I want, but I'm gonna get 80 to 90 percent of the same production. I go and do that, and I think Juventus just hasn't been able to make those signings anymore. I, I I guarantee you that if you were to ask Pepe Marotta and give him at the time, you know, all the budget that he wanted, maybe he doesn't sign a, a Stefan Lichsteiner in in 2011, right? Like maybe he doesn't sign. Andrea Barzagli from, from the discount bin because he didn't pan out in Germany. Maybe he goes and, and looks for more of a brand name. But because they were under that financial constraint, they had to make do it and find other players and, and find alternatives and solutions. And I think that's what this team is missing. They just bring in established guys. They just bring in established players. And it's like, hey, I know this guy. It's going to cost me a little bit more. They're not bringing in the under-the-radar guys that that maybe no one knows. And, and Chuck's made a great example, Weston McKinney. I did not know who Weston McKinney was before he was signed for Juventus because I don't follow Bundesliga a whole lot. I definitely didn't follow Schalke, uh, Schalke 04 that year because I think they got relegated or something. So it's not like I knew that, but it's not my job as a fan to know that. Outside of him, I think every other player that Juventus brought in with Paratici, with this current... Uh, you know, board. I think it's been guys that you know of and that you've heard of, and that's obviously going to cost a premium. And they haven't really been finding those under the radar guys, those diamonds in the rough type of guys. Um, i I think that's what they need, and that's what really built that. You know, those great Juve teams that they were able to find that value and those te- those players that not everyone was pursuing them, but they knew of them and they knew that they could get enough production out of them. to to make do with the budget that they had. And I think they kind of walked away from that. And and it's been a big reason why why just things haven't really panned out recently. Because like Sam said, like, who could you say that has been a tremendous success? And it's not necessarily because they have played badly. It's because they cost so much and they are such well-known guys. Like Cristiano Ronaldo, he was not going to be successful for Juve unless the guy won like two Champions Leagues, which is a pretty high bar for a guy to come in and achieve. Matthaiz Delic was not going to be a success unless he stayed 10 years and became a Juve captain, right? Like because we paid so much, the expectations are so much higher. So if you bring in an Andrea Versagli, if you bring in a Carlos Tevez, if you bring in and Stefan Lie Steiner, it's like we didn't pay a whole lot for these guys and they perform great. They they look like you know, master stroke, master deals. And, and I think those are the deals that Juve that are missing. That's why I'm kind of a little bit higher on costage than a lot of people. He's not the most recognizable name, you know. He he's a very good player in a team that just won the Europa League. Those, I think, those are the type of guys that you know. Once they come in, and they come in with not as high expectations, and it's much more of a a a dude that feels a need. I think he. Those are the type of players that have you know ended up working the best for for Juventus. I thought Danny Sakarya was going to be one of those guys. He hasn't been so far, but. That's that's kind of where, where I think they're they're lacking.
3: We started the Twitter question segment out with the laugh. Maybe we'll have one with this final question from at 24 Ryan. Do you believe Allegri could secretly be cooking something up?
2: Some pasta, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Besides uh, any kind of genius plan. No, I don't think so. I I don't I know hope. if he
0: necessarily has that in him anymore. The possibility of him surprising us with it is there because you know he's he hasn't gone completely stupid, but I I, I just I, I I hope he does, but I just don't necessarily see it.
1: Yeah, it's it's tough. I I I don't I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, then again, you know who knows? We've been shocked before. We've been wrong before. We will probably be wrong again. So who knows? But yeah, vibes are decidedly low on on UV's side right now. It's up to the puppy, Sergio.
3: Can you hear the dog? Yes.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good
0: stuff.
3: All right. Bold prediction times. Round round the horn here, real quick before we sign off for this week. Sam, what's your bold prediction?
0: Either Nicolo Fagioli or Fabio Miretti will be a full-time starter by the end of the season. Ah. Edward, what do you got?
2: Yes. Um, yeah, I think for me. Unfortunately, I think we're going to struggle for fourth place again, basically, like last season. I think we'll probably make top four, but I think it's we're going to be basically lingering in that top four, top
1: four battle again. Unfortunately,
3: Sergio Romero,
1: they both have a worse result. So we're playing Europa League next year, but we somehow. <laughs> have a better result in Champions League than we've had in recent years. Like, we somehow make it to the quarterfinals or semifinals. Or something. We have a run in the Champions League, but domestically, it's terrible, and we end up in the Europa League.
3: They, fi- they finally get your agent of Chaos kind of result there, Sergio, with the Europa League.
1: Yes, I think that'd be really fun for me, specifically.
3: All right, I will I will go out of limits here and say that uh, Angel Di Maria leads Serie A assists this year. Oh, mm, yes,
0: yeah. Mm. Uh-huh.
3: all right well just a note before we sign off and we we give our thank yous with Juventus' schedule being the way it is the next couple of weeks will be coming out on tuesday rather than our usual mondays so be on the lookout for that again thank you guys for your twitter questions we always appreciate them feel free to send them to us at juventus nation on twitter we always appreciate that i just remembered to just pop into my head that we had a few Instagram questions that we couldn't get to. So if you want to send them there, feel free to remind me because, you know, if, if you do it on a Tuesday, sometimes I forget. But anyways, uh, if you want to listen to us on your favorite podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts, feel free to subscribe there. If you do listen on apple podcast or spotify leave us a rating and a review so now i am going to go catch my breath and say thank you very much everybody for listening for sam for chucks and for sergio this is danny saying again thank you very much for listening and we'll talk to you guys when the games begin next week